Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to announce that Christina Sangera is on the show. Christina is a friend of mine that I met via Instagram, but I'll read you a little bit about her bio just so you can get to know her a little bit. So, Christina is a holistic health coach for women business owners with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. She is a fellow Hashimoto's warrior, and she once struggled to get through each day, just like a lot of us. Her lifestyle was a merry-go-round of unhealthy habits, and when she was later diagnosed, it all came full circle and she knew something had to change. It was this moment in her life that inspired countless hours of education, training, and soul-searching. Having experienced firsthand what it feels like to suddenly lose your health and well-being and to struggle daily, her unique point of view allows her to offer sound advice that's rooted in empathy from having experienced many ailments that she now helps women overcome. She believes that you shouldn't have to make a choice between following your dreams of business ownership or tending to a chronic illness. You can do both. So I loved talking to Christina, obviously, because I'm recently a business owner, but that isn't actually what we focused on so much of today. We talked a lot about just our journeys with Hashimoto's, with living with chronic illness, with constantly feeling like you have to be feeling better than you are. We talked a lot about the Hashimoto's thyroid medication and how sometimes when you go to the doctor, I feel like you are put on a medication and you're kind of sent along your way. And that has not helped either of us in either of our journeys. And medication is a piece of what helps us with our Hashimoto's, but like, what else can we be doing? So I'm excited for y'all to listen to our experiences with alternative medicine, with holistic healing. We talk a lot about sleep, and then we do talk about how Christina works with people who have chronic illness. I think this show is dedicated to Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, but I think that it is also important for anyone out there who doesn't deal with those chronic illnesses, because I think a lot of what we're talking about can also impact others who who kind of feel the same. And then we kind of did a little bit of a teaser about something that might be coming up or will be coming up soon um, that Christina and I are working on together that I think y'all were will really, really like. So as always, as I always say, if you're new here, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't already, please, please, please leave us a review. Tell us what you're liking so that we can continue to grow over here and get into the ears of so many people that need to hear the messages that um, are coming from this podcast. So again, thank you so much for listening to the show, but let's dive in and talk to Christina. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have my friend Christina Sangera on the show. Welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We've chatted a lot and we're finally like doing this. Well, we're face to face. Y'all can't see us. (laughs) If you could only see me, you guys, if you could only see me, let's just say I'm all natural today. Yeah. (laughs) You showed up that way. I showed up like checking myself out with like the, there's like, I don't know if you guys know, but on zoom, there's like a you can fix your appearance or something. So I'm wearing makeup today and I have that on. So I, I think that I am like hot shit. <laughs> she showed up glam and I showed up like a mess. So I feel like that's like a new level of friendship though, where I feel comfortable <laughs> right. being a total mess. So maybe right. there's that. Right. Exactly. And I mean, nobody else can see us. So it's just our secret. <laughs> but 
I'm excited to, to finally talk to you on the show today. And um, why don't you kind of just give a little intro about who you are, what you do, who is Christina? Yes, yes. So my name is Christina Singer, like you mentioned, and I help women business owners who have hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And I'm passionate about that because what I have found, I know you know this in the being that you have a chronic illness and you just started the business. Sometimes it can feel impossible to run a business, start a business, keep a business thriving when you have chronic illness, because the nature of it is unpredictable. And I'm also really passionate about women being their own voice, becoming their own advocates. I know so many of your listeners, yourself included, have gone to the doctor and felt completely dismissed and Mm -hmm. unheard. So that's, that's my shtick. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I do for a living. And then I also co-own a fitness and wellness studio here in Sacramento, California with my hubby called Inspired Wellness. And I know we're going to dive a little deeper into how I got here. I have a fun little story on that, Mm. but that's, that's my main, my main gig. I I like to help women thrive and find fulfillment again and feel excited again and Mm. not feel like they can't do and achieve simply because they have this diagnosis and also providing alternative therapies because we all know the doctor will generally give you the pill and then tell you to have a good day. And then you still feel like (laughs) crap and you're like, well, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, as you're talking, I was like, oh my gosh, there's like 300 different (laughs) like avenues that I can go down, but why don't we like jump into your story? Why don't you tell your story with Hashimoto's? Love to. Okay. So, and, and like so many, we put the puzzle pieces together later, I feel like. So now that I look back, Oh, that makes so much sense. But during the (laughs) moment it didn't, Mm -hmm. my late teens, early twenties, I spent a lot of time just kind of abusing my body because we know during that time we're invincible. Right. So (laughs) I ate a ton of crap. I even smoked cigarettes. I don't think you know this. You don't even know the story. So yeah, you're going to like this. So I smoked cigarettes and that was obviously a, probably a big trigger. I ate frozen meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was just basically a chemical factory. I was actually addicted to prescription medications. I was addicted to uh, benzodiazepines. So I don't want, I don't know if we can say them without getting sued, but basically the actual (laughs) brand names. Okay. We'll just say it. Xanax, (laughs) Clonopin. I don't know if their lawyers are going to come down on us, but I I was addicted. So I had Mm -hmm. gone over the edge and they were no longer just maintaining my anxiety. Now it was something that was like a, an actual crutch. Oh, wow. So I found myself with a lot of various symptoms that led up to my eventual diagnosis. And my, my theory is how I treated my body, at least probably partly contributed to my body breaking down and going like, Hey, I don't know what to do with this. I can't function like this. Mm-hmm. So when I was about, I think 20 ish, mm-hmm. I went to the doctor and I complained of hair falling out, being extremely exhausted, unexplained weight gain. And when I say exhausted, I was back, back in my banking days, I was a business banker. I was falling asleep in meetings. Oh, wow. I would, I would be looking at you and my eyes are closing. It's like, I needed something to keep my eyes open. Mm-hmm. It was that level of exhaustion mm-hmm. and obviously not normal for a, a somewhat healthy 20 year old. Right. So I went to the doctor and they didn't really suspect anything. Cause my TSH was only 3.36, I think at the time. Mm-hmm. And I pushed for the, let's test everything. 
Right. Cause I knew something was wrong and I wasn't just going to live like that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So they tested me and I had Hashimoto's and my antibodies were 1500 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a very strong <laughs> Hashimoto's diagnosis. <laughs> and the doctor actually, I will give him some credit for sure. He decided, you know, let's treat you even despite your TSH not being terribly mm. out of range because clearly you're having some significant symptoms. So here's the deal. I start that medication, right? And he actually let me start on armor. So that was cool. Yeah. But it didn't make me feel amazing. I thought for sure I was going to be singing from the mountaintops and life was going to get back to normal. And instead I actually started declining even further. I started to feel even worse. And that's when I sought out the natural side of things and the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I realized that it's mostly the autoimmune process that causes so many of the symptoms. Once the thyroid is in check, it makes all the work that I'm doing actually work. Mm -hmm. But so many of my particular symptoms were, you know, systemic inflammation and other things that had to do with the thyroid, but more in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. So eventually I started on, you know, experimenting with tinctures, um, all sorts of different things. And oh, I forgot to mention too, sleep. Mm. I've told you before, I feel like they don't talk enough about sleep with thyroid right. disease with hypothyroidism. We always hear that we sleep too much, but that's because we're not really sleeping. We're exactly. catnapping. Yeah, <laughs> we're right. catnapping. <laughs> yeah. So we're not getting deep and REM or the amounts that we need to function. So I was also really exhausted and I would go, well, I've been in bed for, you know, 12 hours. How do I still feel tired? It's like, well, you didn't sleep deep at all. So Mm -hmm. I wish that would be talked about more in this space is how sleep actually sucks even more. So in my opinion, when you're hypo, because you're not actually sleeping deeply. Mm -hmm. So I went through all of that and I worked with a naturopath. I know you've worked with a naturopath before Mm -hmm. and she really opened my eyes to how we can manage the disease process, if you will, in a natural way, while also supplementing with the armor and all of that. So that was really, um, opening for me. And eventually I was able to, I guess you would call it stabilize, but like you, I found that working at my toxic job made that almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So what I found was I would flare and then I would be okay. And then I would flare and then I would be okay. You probably experienced similar. Mm-hmm. And it usually would be preceded by something overwhelming at work or just having something that was hard to deal with emotionally. I, I also had toxic coworkers, toxic bosses. Mm-hmm. The nature <laughs> of the job itself was really right. overwhelming, which you had someone on recently who talked about those with chronic illness and needing more opportunities for being able to, I can't remember what you said, but I think it was Casey, just like having more opportunities for work, like different options of like working from home. I mean, with COVID things have changed and people have been forced to work from home. And and a lot of businesses are like, oh, we could have been doing this the whole time. And the chronic community is like, hello, (laughs) we've been asking for this for like Yes. Yes. It's not impossible. Right. right. It's just, it's just thinking outside the box. So I got to the point where I realized that if I was really going to heal, I was going to have to get out of the environment that I had virtually no control over. 
Cause that's really what it comes down to, right? We don't have control over our schedule, our energy. And then I would call in sick, but feel guilty. Cause I wasn't really quote unquote sick. So unless right. my arm is dangling off the side of me, I felt like, well, I can't really call in. Right. So hubby and I made a plan and I left, we started, we made a plan. And I think I left three years around three years from the time we made that plan and ventured out on my own to join the gym full time, which eventually led to me coaching other women. And so that's kind of how I got here, just total Mm -hmm. suffering and feeling terrible, knowing something wasn't right. (laughs) And then, but realizing too, that the medication was such a small piece of my journey, which is what Mm -hmm. fired me up to help other people. Because I speak to a lot of women, countless women who say, oh, I started by taking the medication. And then I realized I still am not sleeping well. I still don't feel good, all the things. And so their doctor has nothing for them at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like, okay, we need to be offering something better than this. Right. So. Yeah. It's interesting. My, my story is similar, but different. I was, um, I actually had been dealing with like depression and I was super, super tired, but I was in college. So they were like, whatever you're in college, like you're going to feel like that all the time. But, um, they actually diagnosed me with depression first, put me on an antidepressant. I felt so bad that I took myself off of it, which please do not do that with an antidepressant. It's not, you're not I did that too. That. <laughs> yes. It's the worst. It's, yeah. I was like, my doctor was like, you did what? <laughs> like, I was just like, I'm not taking this. So, um, again, don't do that. But the, I finally went into the doctor because I was having such crazy stomach pains. Like I could eat just at the time, you know, a plain piece of bread, Cause I didn't know anything about gluten at that point, but like, you know, just the plainest of plain foods, healthy food. And I would get sick, but I was, and I was, you know, diarrhea, puking, like all that kind of stuff, extreme stomach pain. And I couldn't, but I was still gaining weight. And I was like, what is happening? So they actually tested me for celiac, but the doctor at the time that I went, cause I was about, I think I was like 22 or 23 when I was diagnosed and, um, she did a test for thyroid as well because my mom had thyroid issues. So the first doctor that ever tested my thyroid, knowing my mom had thyroid issues. So, but I was diagnosed with hypo. They didn't, and I knew nothing of like autoimmune anything at that point. So, you know, it was, you know, take this levothyroxine, come in every couple of months until we get your, um, your medication right. And then it's kind of like, this is how you're going to feel. And when I started feeling really bad, I would go in and usually my levels were off enough that they would move. But then it started to get to the point, like toward my mid to late twenties where, well, like, yeah, about mid twenties where I was like, I was going in to get my medication adjusted just to function. And they're telling me like, well, we can't adjust it because there's nothing wrong with it. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like I shouldn't be exhausted. I was still having the stomach issues. Like it helped a little, like I could notice when they upped my medication that it helped a little bit, but just like, you know, the symptoms just kept on coming. And I was like, wait, 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 I'm 26. Like I shouldn't, and I was very healthy at that point too. Like in my mid twenties is when I found lifting and I was like, pretty well, I was healthy in the sense that I was like working out and eating, you know, within the calories that I should be, but I wasn't healthy within the way I was actually taking care of my body. But, but yeah, anyway, so it was just like this medication thing of like, 
wait, how am I, you know, in my early twenties and I feel awful. And like this medication is the only thing that, that I have, that's going to work. Well, there's two things I'll say to the medication piece. One is that God awful six to eight week window. So basically let me suffer a little bit for six to eight. Weeks. It's just, it's a long time when you already don't <laughs> feel well. So I always laugh at that. I, I just am like, really guys, we just get to suffer until we check again. Is there anything <laughs> we can do in the interim? And then, but two is the way that I describe it now to clients and the way that I think of it myself is the thyroid medication gets us to baseline. So when we have hypothyroidism, we're not even at baseline. So what you're describing, gosh, I can totally relate. I forgot to talk about the <laughs> detoxing from the mental health meds on my own, which I shouldn't <laughs> laugh about because it was a terrible experience and don't ever freaking do it. No, <laughs> but I was, I often think of it like thyroid gets us to baseline. It gets us mm -hmm. to normal, but then we still have to do the lifestyle stuff. So mm -hmm. we still have to do all the different things lifestyle wise. And we kind of, I don't want to say we're at a disadvantage at all, but any chronic illness we know does take more love and attention and time. Mm -hmm. So just the nature of any kind of chronic disease is going to take more love and finesse than if you had nothing going on. So mm -hmm. I totally relate to that. That's yeah. And it's, it's frustrating. I feel like so many people, we know we're using our intuition. We know mm -hmm. something's wrong but yet no one, the people that we go to that are supposed to know also don't know. That's yeah. when we really start to lose hope. Yeah. And then, especially when they say everything, there's nothing worse than hearing everything looks normal. Right. That <laughs> I, I know. And I like prayed that my thyroid levels would be off when I would go to yes. the doctor so yes. that I could get a higher dosage. I was yes. just so terrified that if it wasn't, I was going to have to just live like this. Yes. You know, that actually, maybe we can touch on that at some point, because this is something I have learned recently as well. I have, there are so many other factors that play into our thyroid, even not working well. And that has been really interesting for me to learn too. One thing like, I, yeah, like what, well, one thing I see a lot is liver, let's call it congestion. Oh yeah. So a lot of us with chronic disease, Hashimoto's, we'll just, we'll just stick to Hashimoto's and hypo for this episode that we have liver issues, liver congestion. I just call it congestion. I think of like a clogged liver mm -hmm. and we have a problem converting T4 to T3 efficiently, which mm -hmm. is, that's where it happens is in the liver. And so when I learned about things like that, like the liver issue, that mm -hmm. made a lot more sense why my levels might be off. And it's not just related to my thyroid. It all kind of plays together. Another one I've been learning about is our gut microbiome is huge. Oh right. my gosh. <laughs> it's such a big deal. I was actually just learning today and geeking out on estrogen and how <laughs> I know I'm just, I can't stop <laughs> and how there is a specific, let's call it channel in your gut dedicated to the processing slash detox of estrogen, which mm. tells you how important that is. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot more people with gut issues, liver issues that are, and basically your detox pathways right? Mm -hmm. So your colon, they're, they're constipated. They're not peeing frequently. So they're not detoxing. So all these toxins are hanging out. So that was really fascinating to me why a lot of us still feel icky, even though we're taking the stuff, even supplements, we're taking the supplements, lifestyle's great. And actually I find that the liver is a big piece of it, that I never realized even for myself mm -hmm. until I did the, I did the functional testing and I realized that was a big player. Mm-hmm. So can I ask too? So I'm just thinking back, like, I'm, I don't even know where to go first. There's like so many thoughts in my head, but like 
When you started to understand the in-depthness, which is not a word, but I'm making it up, um, of like what needed to change in your life, how did that feel for you? Because, and maybe it wasn't, but for me, I mean, I grew up Northern Wisconsin, like we had casseroles, <laughs> we had beer. I mean, I didn't drink beer, but we had, you know, alcohol, like all that kind of stuff. And to all of a sudden go in and be like, you can't eat gluten. You shouldn't eat dairy. Um, maybe you should go in this AIP diet. Maybe you should like, you need to sleep more. You need to take all these supplements. Oh, you should change out all of your, um, products that you use. We should get rid of our, I shouldn't be drinking our water. Oh my gosh. You need to get a Berkey filter. Like all these things. Mold. And- Don't forget about mold. Mold. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I was so overwhelmed with where to start. And then also it was hard. Like I like bad food. Like I don't, you know, I like eating chips and salsa. I like eating like, you know, things that are maybe not necessarily good for you. I really liked at the time working out really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And then I hit a point of like, exercise intolerance for me where I couldn't do it at all anymore. And so I'm just wondering if you ever had times like that when you like had to make these lifestyle switches that, that affected you. Dude, all the time, even now, even now, because even though I help other people for a living that have my same disease, that doesn't mean I don't flare. I just had one recently. (laughs) So I have found, and so I would say about, I actually only got serious about this three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've been on this journey for almost a decade. And by serious, I mean, really starting to do all the things you talked about. Prior to that, it was really hard and difficult and life and all the things I did. I have successfully eliminated gluten for at least five years. That one actually felt pretty easy because the world is super hashtag gluten-free these days. Yeah. (laughs) So that was not hard, but dairy was really hard for me. Mm. That was a big one. Even though I don't even, I'm not like a cheese lover. It just dairy's great. Yes. It's just in so many things that you don't like a lot of things. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Even or in gluten-free food that they're trying to make taste like non-gluten-free food. There's always dairy, dairy, some kind of milk powder. Mm -hmm. So it was only about three years ago that I really started to dive deeper because Mm -hmm. I had heard about all of it, mold and liver and gut. And like you, I was like, how do I even live my life? And then I also have a three-year-old, which, Mm -hmm. so I started thinking about this around the time I gave birth to her because I was feeling so terrible at that time that I was motivated to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then just probably the last 12 months, I've gotten really serious about it on my own journey because in helping others and learning and growing, I realized, oh my gosh, okay. All these things that I know are important, but I would do, but not consistently do Mm-hmm. they make a big difference. One thing I think is super important is we can't do it all at one, at one time or at, on in one day, one week, even one month. Mm-hmm. So what's helped me is I will try something and see how that goes. And then yeah. I'll try something else and see how that goes. And that is so much easier than this huge laundry list of things that I need to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. because I see it as a, pro- a process. So even when I work with people, we worked a minimum of six months. It's generally six to 12 months. And throughout yeah. that time, we can be making changes, but it can be really overwhelming. It, but here's the deal. I do think it all matters, mm-hmm. but I also think there's not everyone has the same triggers. Yes. You know, if you have Hashimoto's, yeah, gluten, sorry. It's identical and molecular structure to thyroid tissue. So we do mm-hmm. have to eliminate it. And dairy is kind of one of those two. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to some of the other things, 
food wise, for example, I'm on a low histamine protocol because I have histamine issues that are probably gut related, which is what I'm working on right now, but not everyone has histamine issues. So I'm not going to put someone on a histamine friendly food program if they don't need to be on one, That's (laughs) you know, because it's hard. Yeah. I, I kind of get sad all the time that I can't have, you know, avocados and strawberries and chocolate, like the things that actually bring us pleasure. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, I think that was my like three years ago was when I had that light bulb moment. Hey, I've been going around for a long time and I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but it, you never fully felt stable. Yeah. It's like you, you feel like you take five steps forward and then four and a half back, Yeah, which can be really hard because you did all that work to take those five steps only to have it, the rug swept out from under you. And that's, I, I believe what motivated me the most to finally mm-hmm. start to do the other things for me, the, one of the first things I started with was just really honing in on the diet piece, mm-hmm. you know, because that's one of those things that I feel like we can all work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the household products, yeah. beauty products, things like that. So we were, it's actually interesting. Our timelines, I didn't realize how like, well, they lined up like being diagnosed, you know, about 10 years ago, kind of getting super serious about three ish years ago as about the same timeline as, as me. But, um, we were really lucky in the fact that, well, not lucky, but my husband got really sick. And so when my husband, he, when he gets focused on something, that's all he can focus on. So, um, we were getting married. So we put all this stuff on our registry. So we got like new pots and pans, like, you know, everything that you can think of that we wanted to be glass or we wanted to be stainless steel, or we wanted, you know, a Berkey shower head, which I don't really (laughs) like, I don't, at the time I thought it was important. It's whatever, but, um, all these things, it was actually really helpful at that timeline because I was like, well, we got them for gifts. So we didn't have to do as much of, of that stuff, but, but yeah, the, like the food has always, that one's been the hardest for me. So it's kind of been the most up and down. And for me, I've noticed the more strict of a diet I do while it can be helpful, it flares so much stress for me that it ends up not always weighing out the way that I need it to. So I'm trying to listen to my intuition and be like, okay, no gluten. We know that that's something I also cut out a long time ago. Um, but like, how can I be a little bit more careful with myself? Like I'm doing really well in all the other areas. And I quit my job because I was so stressed out. And that was a huge piece that was looming. Plus I'm pretty sure there was mold in our old house in Illinois. So both of those things, but like, I'm like, okay, with diet for me and like my mental health, I have to be a little bit more careful with it because brings up, you know, disordered eating and the patterns from my past. And it brings up a lot, a lot of stress and mental and emotional problems. So it's like, yeah, every person is going to be different and the way that you go at it is going to be different. And, um, focusing on like what works for you is really important. I agree. And I also think that when we start to fix our gut issues, we won't be so reactive to so many things. Yes. Yeah. I really feel the gut is such an epicenter when you think of it that way of all the different problems that we have. So many things can be traced back to the gut. So that's why I've also been really honing in on gut health, not only with myself, but with clients, because I want, 
I want to have freedom. I want them to have freedom. Right. I don't, I don't think it's natural or normal to be on a super restricted diet forever. If, if you don't truly need to be. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is that. And then also prior to fixing the gut, cause we really don't even know what that means. Right. But generally speaking, it is when we're not reacting to everything and its cousin. Yeah. So there's supplements that can help. Mm -hmm. digestive enzymes come to mind. That Mm -hmm. one's been huge for me. It helps me to process the fats and the proteins and the carbohydrates. And every now and again, if I have some dairy, Mm -hmm. it allows me to do that without being on the toilet for an hour. Yeah. (laughs) So there's things like that that can help. We shouldn't technically need digestive enzymes constantly Mm -hmm. when we're younger, even when we're older, if, if our gut microbiome and everything is working properly. So there's things like that, that we can, I, that we can take as quote unquote band-aids that are super helpful. that give us quality of life. Another one that I take, have you heard of DAO enzyme? No. So DAO is, it's an enzyme that helps break down food derived histamine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us with Hashi's slash hypothyroidism have compromised guts, then also have histamine problems, which is Mm. part of our sleep and other issues. And so the DAO break, it's an enzyme that I take and it breaks down food derived histamine so that if I do go off plan a little bit, I'm not having this crazy flare of symptoms related to the histamine. So Mm. that's just an example of things that I take for quality of life. Now that supplement is $150 a month. So it's not one that I want to take every day necessarily or, or, you know, in excess because that's fairly expensive for one supplement. Yeah. I spend more than that on my total supplements, but definitely not on one. So, mm-hmm. but that's an example of things that we can do to mitigate some of these problems that we're having until we figure out the full picture. Like mm-hmm. you, I, I'm one of those coaches who generally will not put someone on a super, super restrictive diet, at least not up front if we can figure out how to work in some of these other things to help them be able to tolerate foods because mm. yes, disordered eating is a big one. That's, that can be a big trigger prior to finding peace with my current eating plan. I felt like I had a true eating disorder. I was afraid of bananas and cinnamon. Right. <laughs> and that was not healthy. So mm. the enzyme actually helped me with that. It gave me that peace of mind and allowed me to still consume those and not have an anxiety attack because I'm eating them banana and a strawberry and an avocado. Yeah. (laughs) So I think finding that balance is really important. And Mm -hmm. I actually really believe in certain supplements to just give us some quality of life and Mm -hmm. fill in the nutritional gaps while, while we're figuring things out. Maybe we can talk about that. There's a few that I think are like, we should all be doing if we have Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. So vitamin D. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like vitamin D is critically low for so many of us. And I know even with COVID, we're hearing that a lot of people that have higher vitamin D levels are able to basically withstand COVID better, which makes sense. Think about this. So the, a lot of the homeless are not being hit hard by COVID. Mm. Like they'll get COVID, but they're, they're able to withstand it pretty well. Well, think about this. They have so much vitamin D they're in the sun all day long. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. My yeah. friend who works at a hospital mentioned that she said, you know, when, when someone who's homeless and outside all day comes in and has COVID, it's so much less severe than, you know, those who have lower levels. That was really fascinating to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I'm even just like for me moving out of the gloomy Midwest mm, yes. <laughs> has been helpful, but I have like 
like in my blood work, my vitamin D is low. So, right. Yeah. And mine is always, I feel like, and, yeah. and I have a darker complexion. So if I go outside, I'm going to have to be out there for six hours. So yeah. something insane to actually get the recommended amount. I go outside a lot. I try to get it done, but my levels still, and again, I'm still working on gut health. So I think that's a big piece of it. So, and I do liquid vitamin D mm-hmm. because yeah, I feel too. like it absorbs better. How many mm-hmm. IUs are you taking a day? I'm just curious. I take five drops. <laughs> okay. So probably like 5,000. That sounds right. Okay, cool. I'm just curious. That's around what I take. So vitamin D is one. Another one that I see a lot of people are deficient in or not, things aren't working properly is the digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have like gas, bloating, fatigue, headaches after foods. And a lot of us have what they call low oral tolerance. Mm-hmm. So over time, we lose the ability to tolerate any and all foods, it feels like. Mm-hmm. So that's where the digestive enzymes can help with low oral tolerance. That's actually a hot topic right now. And the basically the loss of oral tolerance mm. when it comes to foods over time, which makes sense. I don't know about you, but there's been foods that I used to do fine with. And then all of a sudden I'm just not. And right. I've always and wondered like, wait, that. What? I thought I could eat this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the digestive enzymes can definitely help with that. Another one I think is probiotics. I oh, feel yeah. like that's so important. And I, but <clears throat> with, with the caveat, if you have histamine issues, you want to make sure that you get strains that are not going to exacerbate them. So, yeah. I was diagnosed with SIBO a few years ago. So I take hmm. mega, I think it's called mega spore biotic. It's yes. like a, a specific one that's, that's less, I don't know. It's got something in it. That's like less, um, the SIBO isn't going to feed on it. So those are the types of things that's helpful to, you know, make sure you're taking the right one for you, but yes. Cause so many people will race to get whatever supplement. Yeah. Right. They heard about it. Like, yes. (laughs) Dr. Oz at one point had some cranberry craze. I feel like it was it cranberry. There was a craze of some kind to the point that I walked into this health food store and they had a whole display (laughs) trying to rope everyone in. And I thought, do these people even know if this is going to work for them? (laughs) So yeah, that was the, and then the other one that comes to mind is fish oil. Yep. So those are kind of the top I feel mm. supplements that really help because inflammation is such a big deal with us. Yeah. And stress, like you said, causes so much inflammation. Yeah. I also take, I personally have, um, some low vitamin B levels. So mm. I take B12 okay. and then I take, um, magnesium. At night. Oh, duh. Magnesium. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a big helper. Yes. Mm-hmm. With I know when I'm low and sleep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and I don't know about you, but when I'm low, I get weird symptoms like muscle twitches Mm. and sleep for sure gets disturbed. I feel like I don't, I don't maintain my sleep as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 I want to actually, we should chat about sleep. I feel like I want to talk about that more. Yeah. What do you think? Cause you and I have both had sleep issues. What? Yeah. We we both had sleep issues. issues. Yeah. So yeah. Sleep is just, I mean, I have been, I've actually been, I was doing pretty well with it after I worked with a coach a few years ago. Um, and, but in like the last, I don't know, six ish months, my sleep has just been totally disrupted and it's Mm -hmm. driving me crazy, but yeah, I know it affects you a lot too. Right. Heck yeah. About what, how many months ago did you say that you started feeling six, six months ago? Yeah. That's about my timeline for sure. And when you go to the doctor, oftentimes they'll say it's stress, but (laughs) it's so much more than that. And so I just, I want to hammer this home for the hypothyroidism people here. 
they're told all the time that they're going to, they sleep often because of the hypothyroidism, which I guess is potentially true, but it's that cat nap that kills you. Yeah. It's not getting the deep and the REM stages that we need, not being able to maintain sleep, waking up, you know, at certain times of the night, Chinese medicine is fascinating. It talks about all the different reasons that we wake up. Have you seen this? It's yeah. the little dial. Is it like 3 a.m. is like with the liver or something. Well, one to 3 a.m. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So one to 3 a.m. is t- t- typically liver congestion of some kind. Basically the body does lots of its liver detoxing around that time. So if you're waking up then potentially some liver stuff, they, and I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but they definitely have for, for different time periods. Here's what could be going on. It's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I just, one of the things that's helped me a lot with sleep from the perspective of actually getting better sleep was working on balancing my hormones. I use a hormonal tincture now, mm-hmm. and that's been a big player. I feel like, and then another big one that I find is once you have a period of bad sleep, you really struggle mentally. Yes. You start to fear sleep. Yep. You start to feel like you're never going to sleep well again. Mm-hmm. Uh, nighttime becomes overwhelming because you don't know what that night's going to bring. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and I, I know find... some people deal with like night terrors and things like yes, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actual sleep disorders can, can develop even from that. Yeah. So another big piece for me has been acceptance. Mm-hmm. So as I work and I, I think I've gotten much better other than when I have a crazy flare. I went from, at some point I went three days with no sleep, Jesse. It was stupid. It was so, I don't even know how my body existed in that (laughs) random void time. (laughs) And and now I sleep an average of, you know, six to eight hours and Mm -hmm. I wake up two to three times Mm -hmm. and I'm at peace with that for right now. That's, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have perfect sleep. Mm-hmm. And part of this puzzle is accepting where we are and then improving things as we go. Mm-hmm. So as we fix the liver, as we fix the gut, as we start to fix our digestion, I actually think food intolerances are a big reason we don't sleep well. Mm-hmm. Histamine, all the things. I actually just wrote a blog post on this because I just find so many people waking up in these, I call them magical windows of time. Yeah. One to 3 a.m. is a big one. And, or just, I had a client at one point who was waking up every 60 to 90 minutes. Oh, wow. Right. And that's pretty, pretty, but here's the crazy part. She was at peace with it. Mm. And so obviously she wanted to fix it, but it wasn't tormenting her. Yeah. So I think that's just such a big piece is be, thank your body. Thank your Mm. body for what it is doing. Hey Mm. body. I know you're doing it. You're doing your best. I freaking hate you, (laughs) but I know you're doing your best. That's been really helpful for me, at least. Yeah. And I know so many people struggle with sleep and it's just not talked about as much in this community, which is weird to me. Like we just talk about they just tell you too you much need to sleep more. Yeah. yeah. Which I and love when like, they say that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, great. I'll just figure that out. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I would sleep more if I could, we realize that. Right. So I, I don't know, like two random things with sleep for me, like one, first of all, just like, don't watch scary stuff because I remember if you, if y'all ever saw the ring and I can't talk about this very long because I'll think about it again, but it was like all the bad stuff happened at like three 13 in the morning. So like when I wake up anytime around three, I'm like, I can't go to sleep until oh. 13. I have not watched that movie since I was in like seventh grade. I'm 33, <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> but so sometimes your brain just like gets going and it just, you know, it's like, I'm just going to wake you up at three to see what happens. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. 
yeah can we, can we also talk about how that movie is over is that just like 20 years old is that how oh, old that movie is <laughs> I, what the heck <laughs> i know i know but yeah it's just like sleep is so difficult one of the things for me I was always like the, you know, I've had coaches, doctors, people tell me like, you should be sleeping like 10 to six, 10 to six, 10 to six, 10 to six. And, and I've always been like a little bit later of a person. I usually stay up a little bit later, um, but not too much later, but I've really been struggling waking up lately because I'm not, I'm waking up a lot more during the middle of the night, or it's taking me an hour or so to fall asleep at night. Um, but one thing I'm really fortunate now that I work for myself, unless I have a meeting, I let myself sleep in. And it's hard because a lot of the judgment is coming from myself. Like I'm waking up at eight 30 and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so late. Like you're two hours past the normal morning routine. You're never going to be successful. You know, I just like get this crazy thing in my head and it's like, why does it matter? I own my own business. I set my own hours. So if I need to push everything back because I had to sleep in, that's okay. And that's talking to what you're saying of like accepting where you're at right now and being okay with that and, um, allowing yourself to do that while you figure out everything else that's going on too. And like, maybe I'm someone that sleeps from 11 to eight or 11 to seven and that's okay. But yeah. Yes. I, I, I got triggered when I had a coach who said we should all basically be sleeping through the night, which I actually don't think that's true for everyone. Maybe we can Mm. talk about that a little bit, but it was also really triggering for me because I knew that I was so far from that. And so I felt like, well, that's great. I also want to celebrate the five hours that I got when I didn't sleep for three days at one time. So hallelujah, like those five (laughs) hours are amazing. I I had a client recently who was struggling with sleep. We've gotten her from two hours a night, no joke, to six. Mm -hmm. And sometimes someone would hear six and go, oh, that's, you know, it's not the recommended uh, seven to nine. And I'm thinking she used to sleep two hours a night. So we got to celebrate ourselves. And so for you, I feel like celebrate the fact that one, you, you took this scary leap. It worked out for you. Now you can have the freedom Mm -hmm. to sleep in. And what's cool is your body does fall back asleep. Those are all things that we can celebrate. And then I feel like when our body knows that it's safe, because I think nervous system work is huge. Mm -hmm. Our body has to feel safe. Sleep is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Sleep is extremely vulnerable. It's Mm -hmm. that time when, you know, back in the primal days, if you're going to go get whatever, (laughs) it's going to happen around that time when you're sleeping. Yeah. So our body needs to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of people's bodies don't feel safe because their nervous system is so fight or flighty. Mm -hmm. And so when they try to initiate or reinitiate sleep, they're so anxious about it that their body is thinking, oh, I'm going to keep you up. Clearly you need to be aware of any potential threats. So Mm -hmm. sleep is not what we're going to do right now, Mm -hmm. which is why certain sleep aids work because they kind of bring that down. The problem Mm -hmm. is once we start relying on those every night, it can become a long-term issue and that we don't fix the the root. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, I'm with you on that. Like sleeping in, doing what you can do with what you have hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And just being okay with what, what your body Celebrating the milestones though, too. Mm -hmm. Celebrate the milestones, right? I might not have slept through the night, but I only woke up twice. Or I might have only gotten five hours, but I got enough deep in REM to be a functioning human today. I have a Fitbit clearly because I talk about deep in REM constantly. Mm -hmm. But celebrating those milestones so that your body goes, okay, cool, we're safe. 
Mm -hmm. can do this because your body is listening. Your nervous system is listening. And when you plug it with all the things that aren't working, it's going to give you more. Yeah. It's going to give you more insomnia. It's going to give you more anxiety, all the things I've noticed that about myself. When I worry about my insomnia, my insomnia is worse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. When I worry about falling asleep, I don't fall asleep. When I listen to a meditation and just tell myself I'll listen to that in lieu of sleep, I fall asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Your body's like, wait, wait, everything that you say you don't want, that means you want it. Right. <laughs> so I'll give that to you. <laughs> right. So I think there's a lot of that nervous system work is a big deal. And I wish we had more talk of that too. Mm-hmm. Getting out of fight or flight. There's things that we can do every single day to bring our nervous system back into balance. You know, I have a whole laundry list of kooky things that I do and I do not care because they help me feel good. Yeah. What are some, in fact, that's a, that's a question I like to ask a lot of people anyway, is just like, what are some of your favorite things that you do that kind of keep you feeling? Oh girl, you have all day. Okay. So I'm actually, (laughs) I know we can't, they can't see us, but I'm going to show you. So one of my favorite tools is my Gua Sha G U A S H A. So I use this to stimulate my vagus nerve, which you can find right here behind your ear. So I'll rub, I'll tap, I'll go all the way down here through my neck. And I do this on average one to two times a day. Mm-hmm. Just, it, you, you won't necessarily go, oh, I really feel calm. <laughs> but you'll, it's your nervous system does come down from, ah, to, you know. So yeah. I use this a lot and I have my clients use this. You can also stimulate your vagus nerve if you put your finger, maybe we can show a picture at some point, like in this little ridge right here yeah. and you rub it. I know that sounds so weird, but yeah. I actually do feel less anxious when I do that on both at the same time. It's really mm-hmm. weird after I'm like, whoa. Another thing I do is straw breathing. It's awesome. <laughs> it's what? Another what? straw breathing. So I have oh. a I have a metal straw. Mm-hmm. I breathe in deep and then I blow all the air out through the straw, which forces me to have a longer exhale. Mm-hmm. And I do the deep breathing exercise again, one to two times. I do my feet on the wall. That's a mm-hmm. big one. So you'll find me laying on the floor with my feet up. My three-year-old even does it with me. (laughs) That's, that's a big activity in our house. I also like to get sun intervals. Mm. So what is his name? Is it Ari Witten? Does that sound right? He is basically the sun expert in my eyes Mm. and, and light expert. He was on wellness mama's podcast and he talks about how sun cancer is not so much a problem of being in the sun as it is getting sunburnt mm-hmm. and burning in the sun. Yeah. So, which is what my skin does. It, yeah. When I look I at don't, the sun, it is red. <laughs> that's like my mom. My mom's got a lot of Irish in her and mm-hmm. same thing. I'm like, sorry, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I, so what I do is sun intervals. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get in the sun for 10 to 20 minutes at a time, three to four days, three to four times a day. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful. And so I, th- I think those are kind of the top things that I do for my nervous system. Meditation. Yeah. Huge. Have you heard of yoga Nidra? Yes. It's amazing. So I do that. I try to do that for an hour a day. Oh, really? And sometimes that hour is just me falling back asleep in the woo in the wee hours. And mm-hmm. it's so nice. Oh my gosh. There's one on YouTube. It puts me back to sleep 90% of the time. Oh, really? It's so good. It's three hours long. <laughs> so that if you, you're going to fall asleep at some point, there's yeah. only so much right thumb, right index finger, middle (laughs) finger. At some point your brain's like, all right, I'm bored. (laughs) So, but yeah, those are some of the things that I do. They help. If I don't do them, I notice it. 
hundred mm-hmm. percent. If I don't do them, oh, all of a sudden I start to feel some of that fight or flighty. There's also a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. It is a faith-based book, but I feel like you can get so much out of it regardless of, of your um, religious leanings. It's basically, it talks about hurry sickness mm-hmm. and how part of our problem, quote unquote, is just always hurrying. Yep. We don't have enough time. Oh my gosh, I got to go. I find myself saying this to my daughter every morning. All right, we got to hurry. Come on. I'm like, wait, why am I saying that? I'm programming that into us, right? Yeah. Even if I am late, why do I have to run? The running saves me like 20 seconds. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough for me to run <laughs> because then I'm telling my nervous system and my body, we got to be in fight or flight. Yeah. So when I heard the term hurry sickness, oh man, that rang <laughs> true for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have hurry sickness and trying to do too many things at one time sickness. Yeah. So I find myself being too addicted to my gosh damn phone. Mm -hmm. I am still working on my boundaries with that. It's like this rotation that I'll pick it up. And sometimes I barely remember. Mm -hmm. It's just Instagram, Facebook, email, Instagram, Facebook, email, you know, maybe I'll add I know. I'm like, why am I checking there? this? I do that yes. all the time too. And I have like four email inboxes and I'm yes. like, why, am I t- why do I have four? First of all. And yes. Like, <laughs> you know, what's happening. I'm learning about this too, because of course, you know, hashtag nerd. I, so what happens is the dopamine and the serotonin ratios are getting screwed up mm. because we have so much dopamine happening mm-hmm. from our phone addictions so serotonin gets out of balance. And then when serotonin gets out of balance, we have all sorts of problems. That made so much sense to me because every yeah. time we go on our phone, we get a hit of dopamine. And every time we complete that loop that we've created in our head, we get a hit of dopamine or a new message or a new something. That's why mm-hmm. we're going on it. We're looking for that fix. Yeah. So I say this, not having at all rehabbed myself and figured this out, but definitely good to know <laughs> so we can start to work on it. Right. I mean, the yeah. first thing is awareness. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it sucks though. I'm like, I wish I wasn't aware of everything that I'm (laughs) aware of. Have you ever done a digital detox? I have done one day. Okay. (laughs) Me too. I think I've gone up to three and I felt like I was losing my mind by the third day. Actually, I I, I hate, wait, let me say the first two days were hard. The third day I actually felt good, but Mm -hmm. the first two days I felt like I was in prison. It was so terrible. Like I, I, it felt so strange to not know. I had like major FOMO. Mm Mm-hmm wanting to know what was going on in the world. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said for phone addiction. And I wonder what would happen if we figured out what that looks like, how to, how to tame that beast. I I tell you, are you a Googler? Oh yeah. Okay. My friend calls it GTS. My Google search history is just like the worst. (laughs) Right. And then I'll get ads and I'm like, you know what? I'm offended, but I know I researched that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, my friend has this term called GTS, Google that shit. And so I call it GTSing. And yeah. so I feel like I oftentimes will just Google the, the craziest things to try and figure out how to break my phone addiction. The weird part is there's not a lot of good articles about it. So mm-hmm. everyone's so addicted that no one's writing any articles about not to how to not be addicted to your phone. Yeah. Or Google wants you to stay addicted. So you keep using it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's true. They wouldn't serve you the good articles. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that actually reminds me, maybe we can tell people to do this. I'm I'm gonna try it. So in that Ruthless Elimination of Hurry book, he talks about seeking solitude more. Mm -hmm. And not the kind of solitude where you're sad and depressed and like, oh man, I'm by myself, which is fine. I actually love that. But he talks about solitude in the ordinary moments throughout the day. Mm. So going to the grocery store, 
getting the longer line on purpose. Get this without your phone, (laughs) without your phone, getting in the longest line without your phone. I get so angry. We were just at the grocery store today and like uh, we got in the quick lines, but I'm usually notorious for picking the wrong line. (laughs) So that's good. Right. When I, I've told like several clients to do this and they all go, Oh, Oh, uh, all right. So, I mean, I like, like what you were saying up to this point, but I really don't know if I can do that. I can see the sweat pouring down their forehead and they're already thinking about how they're going to do it. So I find that hilarious though. Yeah. That just, that's, you know, so he has these little things that you can do that for some reason, the line thing is like, woo boy, for a lot of people. Yeah. So anyway, that's one example of how we can start to have more solitude in our life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you and I should do like a, like an experiment, do like a digital detox and then tell people what our experience was with it. That would be so fun that, and maybe try. So at some point, wouldn't it be fun to, to take some of the exercises from the book? Mm -hmm. There's so many good ones because I feel like that naturally would balance nervous systems Mm -hmm. to not be so addicted to the phone and not have all the distractions and all the things. Cause I really think that's at the core of a lot of our mental health issues because our neurotransmitters just get so messed up, you mm-hmm. know, from all the different things going on. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's my little spiel. Yeah. I mean, that kind of leads me into like just a little bit of a teaser, which is, um, I don't know how to give a teaser <laughs> <laughs> teaser. Here it is. Here's the teaser. And that is the teaser that you get. <laughs> Um, but Christina and I are planning on doing some stuff together in the future that I think y'all will be very excited about. Um, but you'll have to stay tuned. I don't know. When are we going to announce it? We should probably figure that out before. Yes, we have our, we have our shared document and our Slack channel. I Mm -hmm. feel like we can really get in there and choose some solid dates, but basically what's coming, I feel is going to be a really well-rounded approach to, being heard, being seen, having tangible resources and just Mm -hmm. feeling like you got people in your corner who get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that chronic illness community and connection and support that, that you're looking for. Um, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. I want to just, I want to say this before I forget. Mm -hmm. I found you and loved you because of your approach, by the way. Mm. So before you, I would go into these groups and I would just get triggered all day and I would have five new things that I might have yeah. and everyone, because most people go into the groups because they're having an issue. They don't go in to say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm feeling amazing. Yeah. There's not a lot of that going on, which is fine. I think we do need support, but mm-hmm. when you're fragile on your journey or you're in a place where you're not feeling amazing, it can be really triggering. Mm-hmm. So I loved your approach of chronically healing, mm-hmm. acknowledging the ick, acknowledging what's not working, but then also focusing on what is, I love how you talk to your guests all the time about how they're managing things Mm -hmm. and, and how they're still thriving despite their illness. So anyway, that was one of the reasons I really warmed to your podcast and binge listened for however many episodes back when I was riding my bike often, I would just get on my bike and listen constantly. So I think your approach is really special and I don't see as much of it. Like it's definitely unique. We hear so much about the chronic illness space. And I think it is important to acknowledge the, the what's hard, Mm -hmm. but I, then out outside of that, what are we going to do to move forward and and keep going? Cause we can get stuck in the hard to the point that we stop being able to do the work that's needed to get better, which is the irony. Yeah. Yeah. And to just like, take back your life, you know, in whatever way that it's going to be, 
but yes. take it back and and decide what what you want to do about it. I think yeah. that was it for me when when I that's the whole reason I started this podcast, which I know I talk about a lot, um, is just I couldn't I couldn't take it that there was nothing I could do. So I, I started, I got into more natural medicine. It's why I started talking to functional medicine doctors. It's why I started this podcast because I was like, I refuse to believe that my life as a 24, 25 year old, this is going to be it. I'm going to be on the couch all the time. I'm going to feel bad for myself. I'm going to gain a bunch of weight. My life's over. I just refuse to believe that. But at the same time, I also know that we have to like take care of ourselves along the way a little bit different than, than other people do. So yes. it was kind of finding that, finding that balance. Um, but yeah, so I appreciate that. I'm glad that, that, that resonated. Cause that's what I was trying to do not only for myself, but for everybody else. Cause I know it, I cannot be the only one that feels that way. hundred percent. And I just, I feel like as much as I love those Facebook groups, I feel like for me personally, I can't be in them long-term. Mm-hmm. I need it. I need a space that also celebrates the wins. So here's an example. If those Facebook groups had a weekly thread where we talk about what's working, right? It, I need a little bit more dilution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a yeah. little too much of the, I swear to you, I go in there. Oh, okay. I have like four cancers. I have five new things to email my doctor about. And I only right. went in there to look up one thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be a little triggering for some people. And for some people it's not triggering and that's mm-hmm. fine. But I do feel like a lot of people I meet, they feel that it's triggering and it it kind of, it leans toward a lot of what's not working. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree. Which is why I'm so excited for our project. I know I am too. And I mean, if you guys are listening, you can tell that we probably have about 300 more avenues that we can Uh, go down and talk about. (laughs) So, um, so I'm sure that that'll be a piece of it as well, but, um, actually what is your, why don't you let people know how they can get a hold of you or connect with you on social or if they want to work with you? So the best way to reach me, I'd say is Instagram or via mm-hmm. my website. So Christina Sangera, last name, S-A-N-G-H-E-R-A. Mm-hmm. I always say that because people are like, Sangria. <laughs> I get that a lot. Sangria, like the wine? No. So ChristinaSangera.com and then same handle on Instagram. So Christina Sangera over there. You can send me a message, mm-hmm. follow along. Let's be friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I have a, a link on, I, for my, for our thyroid warriors, I have a 17 page ebook called thyroid unlocked. You can grab mm-hmm. that on my website or in the link in my bio on Instagram. And I just poured my heart and soul and you can learn a lot more about my story. I dive super deep into the beginning stage to where I was, where I am and basically how to start healing yourself and doing all the things we talked about today and then some, mm-hmm. so it's super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. It sounds like a great resource. Um, I'll have everything linked in the show notes so that people can grab it easily too, if they're not, um, driving or on their phone right now, but, um, but yeah, I guess if any of you have any guesses as to what we may be dropping for you, <laughs> um, head on over to Instagram. Mine is, uh, Jesse underscore underscore Fritz because, Apparently everything else was taken. So that's what mine is. But, um, and tag us on Instagram or send us a DM if you think you know what's going on, or if you're just excited, we would love to hear what you would like to hear from us. But, but yeah, thank you so much for being on today and for the conversation. I feel like it flowed well. We kind of just went off and a couple different tangents, but I think they're helpful, especially for those of us out there with um, thyroid issues. So thank you. Yes, I had fun. Absolutely. 
And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure you come over to Instagram and tell me how much you enjoyed today's episode. My handle is jesse underscore underscore fritz, which you can always find on my website or in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. I know I say this all the time, but it's super helpful in helping the podcast grow and getting the types of people that you want to hear from on the podcast. So thanks again for listening and I will see you in the next episode.